Hey, Becca. Yeah, Tegan? What makes a movie a cult classic? Well, if it has an extremely dedicated audience, it's probably a cult classic. Can you be more specific? Why are we talking about this? Why are we talking about this? Yeah, what? how did this topic come to be? I don't know. You suggested it, didn't you? Yeah, I was trying to think of things that were movie-related. <laughs> That's really kind of you. Because I like movies, right? <laughs> you have other things you like, but yes. But, like, movies. Movies are interesting. And I'm a film student. So, so how did you come up with the idea of... You were just thinking movie things, and you were like, hmm, cult movies. Well, I was like, okay, I really like... You like, know what? I know what it was, actually, that brought this about. Yeah. We watched Heather's. Oh, we did do that. Yeah. And that is a cult classic. What did you think? Do you feel like you should join the cult? Of Heather's? Yeah. Sure. I don't think I have I think... a cult mentality in any way, shape, or form. I don't get, like, like I have so many interests. Even though I, like, love movies and I used to really love Harry Potter and really love... Like, I, they're just very short phases... And, like, I'll continue, I will add these things to my repertoire of things that I really enjoy, but I'm not, like, so dedicated to any one thing that I would ever, like, make a costume and attend midnight showings every month or stuff like that. Like for Rocky Horror? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do think there's something to... I feel like now fandom is almost expected when you enjoy something. Yeah. Um, and... A lot of cult classics, as my mother pointed out, are from the 80s. And mm-hmm. so I wonder if there's something to, like, nerddom not being appreciated. And so it seems more culty than it actually is. Because really, on paper, yeah. it's like, yeah, you enjoy it. Cool. Some people don't. It's cool you do, though. Yeah. Well, cult classics is, like, kind of fundamentally incorporate a lot of, like, elements that aren't normally accepted. Like, Rocky Horror has, like, a cross-dresser and, like, a lot of, a weird amount of cult classics have, like, cross-dressing and, like, kind of, like, queer imagery. No, even Dr. Strangelove. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Or just stuff that, like, people who feel marginalized can kind of connect with because it is kind of alternate. Like, that is a defining factor for a lot of people, um, in, like, cult followings and cult classics and stuff. The thing about this topic is, like, there's not really any one definition. Everybody has different opinions on it. And, like, if you scroll through the Wikipedia, there's, like, dozens of different um, scholars who are cited, like, trying um. to figure out and critique different definitions of, like, cult classics. Um, so, I mean, I have these notes that we can kind of, I think, like, break down some of the different ideas of what a cult classic is and how it came to be. Deal. I'm game. Yeah. So, yeah. So, kind of the history of cult classics. So, I, I'm I'm speaking particularly about films because I'm sure that there's, like, lots of different types of media that have cult followings, but when we think of cult classics, you think of films. Well, and it's often, when I think of a cult classic movie, Yeah. I think of one movie. Mm-hmm. It's usually not any kind of trilogy or sequel. It's kind yeah. of a standalone piece of media and a lot of books, it's, I feel like the things that become classics are series. Yeah. You know? Well, things that become at least, like, super well-known. Sorry, cult classics. Like, like things that people really adhere their whole personality to. Yeah. I think, I think it's just, like, a kind of different culture entirely with books. I agree. And, like, 
books have been a thing for far longer than movies have, and a, there's a bold and, statement here on this podcast. <laughs> and far more books are released every year than movies generally. Books are easier to make. Yeah. And so there's less And they're of cheaper like a, to publish. Like watching Heathers, there was this thing in the back of my head that was like probably hundreds of people came across this and went, Yeah, this is good. It's fine. I'll mm-hmm. help make it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so like books, you you can write a book with nothing but like pieces of paper and a pencil and a brain, and it it's like slightly more difficult to like get it out into the world, but it is easier to self publish a book than it is to self publish a film. Well, now you could even just publish it online. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but but with films, like I think a big part of the reason why cult classics become a thing is because there is all of this work and all of this money that is put into it, and then if you end up with something that's so strange, it's like it's, what happened. Yeah, it's There's especially intriguing. Yeah, um, and it's like far more intentional mm-hmm. on the por- on the part of many different peoples and on the part of consumers. Um, but anyway, so at at the beginning of like. Filmmaking, cult classics didn't really get the chance to be a thing because you couldn't really get films after they were in theaters. They're just oh. because like DVDs didn't exist yet, and yeah. <laughs> you know, like just it, that. you saying that, I'm like, duh. But in my mind, it was like, oh, if movies exist, then they exist in the home as well. Yeah, and they just didn't for a very long time. So you would you would see a movie, and then it would it would leave, and there was like huge t- turnover. A lot of stuff was being produced, and you didn't really re- rewatch things. Until, um, like, theaters in cities, specifically in, like, New York and Chicago and places like that, they would start doing midnight showings in, like, attempts to, you know, capitalize on all of the hours of the day. And people, and the people who were programming these generally were, like, film buffs, or (laughs) they just had access to um, different films that, like basically the rights didn't matter as much because they were unsuccessful so they would just so they would just turn on like some of this wacky stuff alternative yeah and like the alternative things would especially attract an audience that was more likely to like just be awake and active during the night a weird group yeah kind of a weird group like nocturnal people (laughs) us us even yes (laughs) so that's kind of where so like cult movies kind of came out of midnight showings um where it was like it was weird stuff that was shown at midnight showings then it became an entire ritual and they would just show the same movies as long as tickets kept selling um for midnight showings like they didn't in daytime showings they wouldn't generally reserve spots for the same movie for weeks on end or months on end that's actually so i talked to my mom about this and she mentioned that in a, a town next to the town she grew up in, every Saturday at midnight, they would play Rocky Horror Picture Show mm-hmm. for full price. Mm-hmm. It was usually a dollar theater. And she said it would always be packed. And it was just every weekend, that's what they went to do. Yeah. And so that tradition seems to have uh, continued. Yeah. And people... It, so, yeah, that's that's like kind of where it arose and then there's also something to when cable tv happened and there would be reruns of like kind of wacky stuff also in like the hours that people didn't care about or that weren't generally active because there have always been fans of film who would see everything and remember things Mm. um and they would become programmers for uh for theaters and for like uh tv stations and stuff like that so just 
these like weird kind of underground, cheaply made, super strange movies would just start to like pop up in strange places. And in those strange places, um, people like, you know, birds of a feather would like all flock together <laughs> in the nighttime and just like yeah. see these things and connect with them. And it became an entire community. And I think the community just became kind of like fanatic <laughs> as it's communities like, tend to do right now especially in covid times can you imagine every single weekend you have a standing date with a bunch of people who you think are really cool mm-hmm. and you go to see a movie together and the whole movie you're still interacting with people you know you're yelling quotes and mm-hmm. re- like vibing with the movie and then afterwards you go to like a denny's like that sounds like so much fun right now I don't yeah. know if I'm just, like, I don't know. I think this would always be fun for me. This feels mm-hmm. like something I would enjoy. I, I hope. But it's especially appealing right now. I hope this ritual doesn't die. Yeah, well, because movie theaters are, you know, people are starting to think that movie theaters are going to go the way of the dinosaur. And I I hope, I sincerely the way of the hope last that, that is not true. The last dragon? Raya and the last dragon. Oh. I guess that's topical. I haven't seen it. Yeah, so, like, that... I've repeated myself so many times now, but that's where cult films as we, or at least as like film historians consider them to be, have like, they sort of gained followings and everything, but it's still extremely difficult to define exactly what a cult film is. Cause before you could just be like, oh, I guess, I guess these weird films that they show at midnight, I guess all midnight films are cult films. (laughs) You could define it by like, oh, it, it involves like a ritual. Yeah. To it, but then I think that would leave out some important films. Oh, absolutely. That are also cult classics, quote unquote. Like Buckaroo Bonsai, I don't think. I feel like that was definitely like a weird daytime TV thing. Yeah, like I, I have no clue what you're talking about when you mention Buckaroo Bonsai. <laughs> it sounds amazing. We should watch <laughs> it. It's very good. Uh, yeah, so I I just find, like, the whole idea of what a cult film is or could be really fascinating, and there are just, like, different trends that I think I've noticed. Do they, like, do they have to be, like, critically, like, negatively no. received? No. They don't, they often are, um, because the people who make a community out of films will often... Like, films that are critically panned are oftentimes films that are trying to do something strange or maybe objectionable to the audiences that critics are trying to, like, appeal to. Um, And those same types of, like, objectionable things might be appealing to, like, an alternative community. Gotcha. So, like, just critics and audiences are just entirely different things. (laughs) And as much as critics try to, like, capture... You know, the zeitgeist or just, like, whatever, try to capture what a good film is. It, you know, it's hard and it's subjective and everybody is different. And and sometimes critics are also, like, politically motivated. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I value the work of critics so much. I hope that criticism also never dies. But it I, is... For what it's worth, I don't think it will. Yeah. Well, there's always going to be bloggers, but I do think that having, like, newspapers with, like actual with critics on staff is a cool thing yeah Yeah. i i hope that um well because i also just want all writers to be employed basically yeah um bold (laughs) yeah i want everybody to be employed but that's beside the point uh so um not every as far as i can tell not every cult 
like, classic needs to be critically panned, but they just happen to be a lot of the time. Because, like, Princess Bride, it was commercially unsuccessful, but it's not like critics hated it. And, like, there are other films like, you know, Pulp Fiction or The Big Lebowski and stuff that they were made on a small budget. And at first they weren't really very uh, commercially successful, but critics liked them. And then ultimately audiences just became, like, obsessed with them. It's so interesting. Can you imagine working on a movie Mm -hmm. and you put your heart and soul in it and you get something weird, right? Yeah. But it's still good. You like it, Mm -hmm. you know? And then... It kind of fails commercially. Yeah. And then suddenly there's, like, this community who dresses up like your characters and is reciting it. Yeah. Well, I read this article from Vanity Fair, and it was kind of talking about, like, this docuseries that came out last year about cult classics. And it included, like, a bunch of uh, people who starred in, like, cult movies but didn't really have greater success in their acting careers um, or, like, mainstream success and people like Pam Greer and stuff like that. Like, the, the Cane Toad documentary I've, is a is a cult classic. It's a documentary yeah. about Cane Toads. Cool. Um, And there was one of the, I think it was, like, an interviewer from the documentary, just mm-hmm. some dude who, like, was helping his friend with this project Yeah, got, like, invited to a comic con to talk about the cane toad documentary that everyone's so obsessed with and yeah it and all these people are always just like surprised like they're not unhappy about it it's just like okay cool (laughs) i i'm glad that this connected with somebody that's how i think a lot of artists are where it's like they make their work and they care about it a lot and then it's out in the world and it's like what do you do i can't own it anymore exactly it doesn't belong to you anymore jk are you listening jk rowling doesn't belong to you anymore. Yeah. That's that's part of being an artist. You gotta let go at some point. Yeah. Just please let go. I beg of you. Please. Uh, that's one thing Stephanie Meyer did right. Oh, for sure. She, she definitely let... Like, even when E.L. James... Yeah. Like, made fan fiction and wholesale became a billionaire off. or whatever. And, like, yeah, wholesale ripped off Twilight. She was like, okay. There's an Good interview. for her, I guess. There's an interview with her where it's like... How do you feel about, like, like you have strong values. How do you feel about someone, like, essentially writing porn yeah. with your characters? And she was like, well, I can't control what other people do. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah. Thanks, Stephanie. You got it. Good job, Stephanie. <laughs> yeah, so uh, cult classics do not have to be critically panned. and They don't have to have a famous creator or... No, and they don't even have... Like, I think that one of the biggest things that people might not initially think of when they think of cult classics is, like, cult classics kind of can't be commercially successful when they're first released. Like, they or can be... they won't be a cult classic if yeah, it's just like, good. Yeah, like, maybe upon... Like, most of these films have seen a resurgence. Mm. Like, a, people recognize it as a classic, like, years after it was first released. And, like, Jennifer's Body is one of those, I think, which it came out probably ten or more years ago. And... Critics really disliked it, and audiences didn't know what to think of it, and now, every like, for some reason, it's super getting, like, huge on social media. I'm seeing it everywhere, where people are like, justice for Jennifer's body, and I'm like, oh, cool. I, I didn't know this was our new cause. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and I haven't seen the film, so I guess I can't speak to its artistic value, but people are apparently seeing it now. <laughs> That's... We were talking earlier about, I was like, we should watch, you know, a couple cult classics. And what it came to was like, I don't like horror. Yeah. I don't like most comedies. I love comedies. I think that most comedies are poorly done or stupid. 
That's fair. And I, I don't really begrudge anybody their comedies, but just, like, I've seen, I've seen, you know, a bunch of Adam Sandlers, which I don't purport to be the peak, but I've seen, like, Airplane, and I've seen Caddyshack, and I've seen just, like, these films where I'm, like, See, just so underwhelmed by. I just I'm, don't find them funny. I'm immediately, like, for me, when I think of a good comedy, yeah. I think of, like, Clue. I saw Clue. Clue was fun. Clue's hysterical. Clue's a cult classic. Clue, see, and that's totally what it Tim is. Tim Curry is a cult, like, actor. Leader. Apparently. <laughs> leader. Uh, um, there's definitely, like, when I think of, I, you know, you're saying, oh, you don't like comedies, and you start listing these. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I don't like commercially successful comedies either. I think I like... Yeah. I like unsuccessful comedies. Yeah. I saw... <laughs> I saw Hot Rod on a bunch of lists, no. and I'm not super into that. Napoleon Dynamite is, like, fine. I think Napoleon Dynamite is like, funny. I am, kind of hot take, especially in this area. I don't think Napoleon Dynamite is very good. I think it's, like, I think it's memeable. Yeah. And Same that's with- another thing about cult classics. They have to, they, like, pretty much have to be hugely quotable. Yeah. Like, Heathers, like, did you eat a tumor for breakfast or whatever that's so funny oh my goodness see i think heathers is funny heathers is i like dark comedies a lot of the time but when it's just when it's just so just trying to just make a joke every other sentence i'm like this is well like too much so i would say ferris bueller's day off don't like you don't like it no i think it's funny (laughs) i also am also i I recognize i am in the minority for this but i found ferris bueller to be hugely insolent and annoying you also don't like characters that make that are bad I don't, well... Because I, I like, like, It's Always Sunny in, yeah. Philadelphia, in Philadelphia, which is, the whole premise of that show is, watch five people just be bad people. Yeah. And I don't think Ferris Bueller is a bad people, I just... I think a bad a, people. I think he's a bad people. Yeah? Well, he mistreats his friends. He does do that. He doesn't... I mean, I don't obey authority, but he doesn't obey authority. Like, he kind of, he checks all the boxes of, like, bratty teen. Yeah. Well, even, I've also talked to you and been like, I don't really like 80s movies, which there I'm sure, there are, I'm sure, 80s movies that I've watched and really enjoyed. But, like, when I think 80s, I think John Hughes, and I've never watched a John Hughes that I liked. So interesting, because I feel like they're just so, they're like vanilla ice cream to me. It's like... Yeah, they're fine. Yeah. They're good. Yeah. Yeah, sure. it's fine. And, yeah, I don't know. Have you seen Breakfast Club? <laughs> chuckles nervously. I have not seen Breakfast Club oh gosh, because I'm so Becca. deeply uninterested. It doesn't look good to me. It doesn't appeal to any. I don't like high school movies. Yeah, most you didn't of the have time because I didn't have a high school experience. <laughs> Heather's sure that's not what high school's like. Apparently, like I don't know. I sure. watched. My mom had me watch Heather's at too young of an age. And yes, mom, this is a call out. But now watching it as an adult, I was very much like. What is, what are these props? Is there cafeteria three tables? Yeah, it's like hardly even trying to be a high school movie. It's not about that. No, and it doesn't try to be. I feel like a lot of the popular comedies, like Grown Ups or, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, there's so many, Proposal or whatever. I like romantic comedies. See, and I think those are even worse. No, like... While You Were Sleeping, The no, Proposal, no. Uh, 10 Things I Hate About You. That one's fine. Really? I would consider that one, that one might actually be a cult classic as well. I don't I know. Like it, Maybe. It's re- reruns constantly and everyone's obsessed with What's-His-Face. Heath Ledger? Yeah. <laughs> Me? 
maybe it's a cult classic. I would have to look to see if it was, like, commercially successful when it first came out. There you go. It kind of looks like it would be a cult classic. Like, it's, like, kind of grainy and looks kind of cheap. Um, Box office, $53.5 million. Yeah, it was fine. Budget, 16 Yeah, it, it did fine. And a lot of romantic comedy. I can't really think of a romantic comedy like that is a cult classic because cult classics, I also think, are often like pretty edgy. Like, yeah, whatever that means. They just we've talked about alternative before, but ow, I cut myself on the edge of what the cult classics. Oh, because they're edgy. I get it. <laughs> I really didn't get it at first. You I swear. Looked, you looked legitimately. So horrified. Yeah. I was like, what did you do? I really thought that you'd hurt yourself. Um, That was really, that was pretty funny though. Uh, (laughs) So like, there's a, there's a ton of cult classic horror films, which I didn't super like look into because we don't like horror. It it scares me. (laughs) I'm scared. I am a wimp. Um, But like all these films that were transgressive and like maybe overly bloody or gory and stuff that wouldn't have been accepted by the mainstream but found later success like the, um the random old horror movies that you see merch for at Hot Topic. Yeah, like Night of the Living Dead or like uh I think there's a movie called Slither. I think James Gunn did that yes, one. Yes, I saw uh, that on a list. Yeah, so stuff like that. Um just blood and guts isn't my it's not my cup of tea. Yeah. Hated saying that. <laughs> my cup of tea. I was going to say my ish. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, one quote I found was that, so this man, Ernest Mathis, who is a, uh, you know, s- cinema scholar, says that <laughs> cult films often disrupt viewer expectations, such as giving characters transgressive motivations or focusing attention on elements outside the film. So like in Heather's, this transgressive motivation is that, like, this literal teenage boy wants to murder everybody for, for being teenagers. Yeah, for seemingly, like, no real reason. I mean, like, the bullies are bullies. Yeah. But, like... It kind of feels like he wants to bring a new world order. That's... He feels very anarchist. Yeah. Yeah. But cult films can't really be too self-aware. I think like, that's what happened with um the disaster artist. Yeah, like, The Room, which is what the Disaster Artist is inspired by, is definitely a cult classic, but Disaster Artist, like, it is it is far too, like, it's satirical and self-aware and... Trying to tap... I feel like with alternative crowds, people like my mom in high school, mm-hmm. if you tell them, hey, you're my target audience, they're like, no, no, you. Yeah. I don't want to be Absolutely a target audience. Not. Yeah, and yeah. there's definitely something to the, like, so bad it's good mentality with cult classics. Velocipaster? Absolutely. That completely counts. <laughs> I love that movie so much. It's it's a, it's a classic, isn't it? <laughs> I would consider that to be, like, top-tier comedy. Yeah? I actually think it... Via, yeah. So, Velocipaster, for those of you who don't know, it starts with a scene that's basically establishing this dude's parents are going to be dead. And he walks out of the chapel, and you hear an explosion, and then it pans to an empty street with the words, VFX car on fire, and then cuts back to him, like, sobbing. Well, because their budget was $30,000. It's so funny. Which barely pays for, like, renting equipment. And, like, actors working mostly pro bono. Yeah. Absolutely. In that film, 
like, I'm sure that the director wasn't thinking that he made a masterpiece or anything like Tommy Wiseau did. From what I understand, it was like, it's fully that movie. They were like, whatever, let's just... Yeah, they wanted to make a movie. Yeah. And it's not like they were trying to make a bad movie because, I mean, there's kind of an oft-quoted thing among, like, film people where it's like, it's hard to make a bad movie. It's even harder to make a good one. But it's, like, extremely easy to make a mediocre movie. Yeah. Like... That, that makes sense. Um, And so when something does, like, eclipse the, like, bad that it's not fun to watch into so bad that it is a lot of fun to watch, it's impressive and it's, I think, more likely to gain, like, a cult following, if not a mainstream one. Yeah. Babe 2, Pig in the City is apparently one of those ones where it's so aggressively mediocre. Yeah. That it's, like... You can't. can't It's just not. It's just not fun to watch. Yeah, Yeah. I've seen seen a lot of movies like that. I watched this random, like, I think it was Ben Affleck, Sandra Bullock. Like, it was... A A star-studded cast. It was, I know, it was a romance, I think, from the 90s. They were both pretty young, and it's like, they go on a road trip, and they, like, fall in love, and it's, like, super blue-tinted. And I was just watching this randomly with, like, my, one of my high school friends, Noelle, because we just liked watching movies together, and we had just watched The Proposal, and we were on a Sandra Bullock kick, and we watched this film, and we were like, this is so boring. And then, like, a sex scene came on, and we were like... It's not worth it. Who are these people? Like, maybe if they had any chemistry... Or if, or they if had, there was a story, then or if it there would be was fine. no chemistry, and they seemed kind of angry. Like, when the movie's... There's a thing where a movie is bad, and it's like, you're almost seeing the production in how bad it is. But when yeah. a movie is mediocre, you don't get a story... And you don't see anything it's like, interesting. It's such a wasted time. You can't even look at, oh, that's not that's what's not, not to do. Yeah. Because it, it's not even like, <sighs> ha, 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 that line was delivered poorly. It's like, yeah, they, they're acting. Yeah. Somebody, a lot of people who, like, were fine at their jobs did it. <laughs> oh, no one really messed up. And it's, nobody, but also you can feel that nobody really cared. Then, as I was, like, reading about things, I was like, so something that has, like, an extremely dedicated following and wasn't necessarily commercially successful and didn't cost a lot of money. I was like, so do Disney Channel original movies count? I think some do. See, I, I think that there is an argument to be made for, like, I don't, like, Lemonade Mouth maybe is a cult classic. Simply because so many people return to it. Yeah, like, people love that movie. Camp, no, not Camp Rock. I don't think Camp Rock, I, High School Musical, I think, has gotten too mainstream. But, or, like, is, is the, maybe all of them are too mainstream. I don't know. I feel <sighs> like High School Musical, when it came out, it had, among my age group, there was the energy of a cult classic. Yeah. Where a lot of, like, weird kids were like, no, this is my identity now. Yeah. High School Musical. And then Disney, I feel like when they released High School Musical, it wasn't that big of a deal. And yeah. then they were like, wait, why does everyone like this so much? Well, so they started, it's a good movie. So they started pushing more and more content. And, and then, then two and three. And then, like, it almost, like, negated. Well, that's a big question, too. Like, if, if some. If a cult classic becomes commercially successful later and it becomes part of the mainstream, like, it's is it a cult classic anymore? Like, and also Disney movies, Disney Channel movies, don't really have the chance to be, number one, critically evaluated, and number two, commercially evaluated. It's just like, Yeah, and I think another thing them? is that, like, none of these films are particularly transgressive, which is yeah. pretty important. 
Um, in my opinion, at least, I think that there are people who could disagree because there is an entire other subsection called, like, cult blockbusters, like Back to the Future and The Matrix and Star Wars, which, like... Things that just inspire fandom. Like, but, like, super intense. Yeah. Where I saw this thing that apparently Lord of the Rings has three discrete fandoms that all are dedicated to, like, different aspects of it, and so maybe all of those are individually, like, cult followings. And I kind of think that by now like none of these things are really cult classics i think star wars at first maybe was maybe maybe i wasn't there (laughs) yeah my grandfather this is a fun story went to the first star wars movie and he was in the audience and he was like 20 minutes in and he was like this is boring this is dumb (laughs) what are the stakes who are these people and he stood up and left Wow, he walked out of Star Wars. Like, not opening night, but I think it was, like, opening week. Yeah. Which, you always That's kind hear, of, like, a power move. Like, that's always, a legacy right yeah. there. You always hear about people who are like, I, you know, I went to the Star Wars opening night and it changed my life. Immediately enraptured. You but knew this would become the biggest thing in the world. I think he was, like, he might have been too old at the time. Like, he mm-hmm. wasn't the target audience at all. He just... My grandfather hates Star Wars. And he said before, he's like, they're dumb. I went to the first one. I saw it in theaters. And it was dumb. And I don't understand why everyone likes it. And it's yeah. like, okay. I think, I think Star Wars very easily could have become cult classic. Could have become of... a one-off that no one ever talked about again. Yeah. but then... Except for a small, dedicated community. Yeah. But yeah. then somehow... Like... George Lucas kept on getting money. Yeah. Like, Mark... <laughs> yeah. Like... I, I think that he definitely stuck the landing with two and three, like with the original trilogy. Like, yeah, those were all well made, which and they all had at least like interesting set pieces and costumes, which is like worthwhile. And people understood that. And then they made the prequels. Pre- but because I think because I think that um, companies may be like interested in making sequels to like cult classics. I think they're remaking Rocky Horror Picture Show like they remade Heather's. Yeah. And everyone was like, what the heck? Yeah, yeah. so I think, like, a a cult following is enough for companies to be like, okay, so I guess we should, like, extend this universe and continue to profit off of it. But that, like, it doesn't work. It's our sequel conversation all over again. Yeah. It's lightning and in a bottle the thing the is, first time. It does work financially, but, like, but- um, creatively or artistically, it doesn't. Say, no. Like, prequels to the Star Wars movies, I like not very good by most standards. The Ghostbusters remake. Yeah, but the audience has only continued to rise because, like, there's greater exposure and people end up, you know... And also, when the Heathers... Into it. When the Heathers remake came out, I didn't watch it, but I did go, man, I really liked Heathers. And then I rented it. Yeah. Like, so... And maybe that's reason enough for the people who now own the rights to I've heard something. I've heard before... Some, so they were talking about, in Blank Check, they were talking about um, Disney, all the remakes, and I forget which one, Griffin or David, they said, it's just a reminder, hey, the other movie's better, you should you should buy and watch that one. Yeah, I that think that one. was the Aladdin episode. Where it's like, mm-hmm. this is just a commercial for, for the, the better movie. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I pretty much completely agree. <laughs> yeah, I think sometimes even movies about books, it makes me go... I should read that book again because this movie sucked. Yeah. And that, you know, that's a viable marketing scheme, I'm yeah. sure. Because, you know, Why like not? VOD, on demand, it makes a lot of money. Like a lot. Yeah. 
so much. <laughs> um, yeah, so I do, like, apparently, like, there's a lot of controversy in just, like, cult classic fandom. Not even any specific one, just, like, the fandom of cult classics. Of what is. Yeah, so there's this quote that says, Overbroad usage of the term cult classic has resulted in controversy, as purist state has become a meaningless descriptor applied to any film that is the slightest bit weird or unconventional. Others accuse Hollywood studios of trying to artificially create cult films or use the term as a marketing tactic. And um, films are frequently stated to be an instant cult classic now, occasionally before they are released. Like things... Ooh, yeah. You know, you've heard critics and even yes. like blurbs on uh, trailers say instant cult classic. I've seen it. Everybody's like... But it com- like it completely defeats the point. I am I have yet to see something from the last like 20 years be a, a cult classic classic i wonder if the internet because fans find each other so quickly if it loses the ability to have a resurgence post full release yeah well i think i think a part of it is you have there's easy access to pretty much all stuff nowadays you can't you don't go over to one dude's house because he owns the dvd and yeah. You can't get your hands on it. Yeah, you can't go... Always you out. don't have to go to a midnight showing to watch Rocky Horror Picture Show. You can watch it by yourself in your bed. Absolutely. So I, I think there's something to... Yeah, like, the a new cult classic is almost, like, dead in the water. Yeah. Because there's no way... Yeah, and I think it's it's possible for, like, old movies to be, like, re... Founded? Yeah, re-found or, like, re... Uh, Oh, people are people can be indoctrinated into the the culture surrounding a movie and like the community without having to be there for the watershed moment of this is now a cult classic like yeah. Rocky Horror Picture Show. I wasn't alive, mm-hmm. but like we could still go to a showing, become like become a part of the cult, become a part of the cult, become a part of the community and like keep it alive. But I don't know if there's any movies that would be released recently. Yeah. That would be able to create that culture. Yeah. And I think it's also, uh, may- maybe there's something to be said for, like, the desensitization of audiences where, like, yeah. there's not going to be as much that's transgressive. There's not a shock factor. That's yeah, what because we're all said. Yeah. We, yeah. like, it's, it's just not going to be, a- there's already been so many extremely violent or extremely sexual movies. Like, it takes something, it would take something, like, extreme like, more than ever before, I think, to really, like, make a name for itself. But there's also something to, like, something, so say someone, like, they released a snuff film into, like, commercial movie theaters. Now, I think, because everything is so publicized, like, people would find out about it and there would be, like, a boycott. But with, like, Natural Born Killers, it was like, yeah, no, this movie's crazy. Yeah, and I... Th- it wasn't like, oh, on Twitter I saw that we should cancel this because X, Y, Z, it's like... Yeah, and it's very much transmitted, like, by word of mouth, mm-hmm. um, which I think there are films that have kind of, like, that are still being released that are becoming more popular because of word of mouth. I heard about... But it's it's a very much, like, before it was cool thing, where it's, like, inevitable that's going to become cool. Parasite was really good and fascinating and interesting and different than anything I'd seen before, and I watched it because of word of mouth. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, the greater, like, 
the universe caught on and we're like, oh yeah, this is a great movie. So it's not a cult yeah. classic. It's just a classic. It's just now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's... like movies that are especially interesting, I think are more destined than ever to find a, a larger audience. And I do think, so Thoroughbreds, one of my favorite movies. Yeah. I think it, cause I, I found out about it because of like a viral marketing campaign. Mm-hmm. And at first I just really vibed with the music they used. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, this seems like really exciting. I like thrillers. And it just kind of like checked all the boxes. And so I had to drive like two hours to see it for the first time. And like, mm-hmm. I'm always like spreading the word. Like, yeah. A lot I could of... see that movie becoming something. Yeah. But I don't think it ever will. Yeah. Well, a lot of, a lot of movies that are considered cult classics don't get wide releases. Yeah. Like... Thoroughbreds did not. Yeah, oh my like gosh. If, if I'm like going through a list, it's like a cult classic. You know, it has a dedicated following. Um, it's transgressive in some way. It's hard to find. Like yeah. that. Those are the things. Yeah. And there's a lot of other factors that might go into it, and it's you know it's a very wishy washy sort of definition that means something different to everybody. Um, but those seem those are the biggest things in my mind, at least when I think of a cult classic. I think that fits. I think there's some, like, scarcity, scarcity almost, like, forces socialization. Yeah, and it forces you to be, like, kind of passionate about it. Yeah. Like, it's, you have to, you, (laughs) it's like you learn to, like, love the people you serve. Like, you, you learn to love the thing that you work hard for. Yeah. Like, it's, if it's hard to find a movie, then when you if finally I, found it, it's going to be far more satisfying than if you could stream it. If I drove, I drove, you know, an hour and a half to see Thoroughbreds, I'm going to like it an hour and a half of my time more. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like. Yeah, because you don't want to have wasted your time. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think there is something to that. There's just, like, human laziness. It's like, okay, I have to care now. Human laziness is an oxymoron. Mm. It's funny because you wrote instant cult classic as an oxymoron. Yeah, it. I do believe that it is. <laughs> I think. I think that's true because instant cult classic. Like also, cult classics are like old. <laughs> they just there needs. I feel like there needs to be a resting period before it's like found again. Well, that was when. So we're talking to my mom, and she said she really liked the movie. What was it? Pump it up, shake it. P- pump, yeah, like pump up the volume. I think so. L- I know let it's me a dance it. movie. Pump up the volume. Pump up the volume. My mother loves pump up the volume. She was on uh, DDoS message boards in, like, in college, and one day a bunch of people went to go see pump up the volume, and then they started messaging in the board like, "Hey, you guys need to go watch this movie. It's mm-hmm. very good. You need to go see it." And Later, she wanted to watch it again, so a friend of hers made an audio, audio only recording of this dance movie. Mm-hmm. Or I think it might be cheerleading. They're moving their bodies. That's the, like the point. It's not an audio medium. Yeah. And my mom would listen to it on her way f- home from Sacramento. She would listen to a movie like that. Feels like. That's, it's just different. That's cult dedication. Yeah. Absolutely. It's different. I can't think of a single movie I would do that for. I was trying. I was like, is there a single movie I would listen to the audio only? Yeah. I, I just, there's not a single movie I would do much for. Like, I don't I know. like anything that much. Kind of. Like, I love movies. Maybe if I saw, 
Yeah, I don't know. What's a movie I would listen to? What's a movie we would drive two hours for right now? Right now? Yeah. If we couldn't see it anywhere else and there was an opportunity to see it. See, it depends on how cool, like, how much fun it sounds, I think, for me. Yeah. Like, if, if, because also, in the back of my head, I'm like, I could find it somewhere. Right? It's, it, it, like, the internet Like, the killed... whole world, like, doesn't allow for the mindset of a cult, like, a cult classic yeah. mentality anymore, I think. To be fair, though, if, if it wasn't COVID times, and you said, hey, there's a showing of Rocky Horror Picture Show, like, a real showing, mm-hmm. people in costumes and bread and whatever, mm-hmm. like... And it's two hours to go. Do you want to go tonight? I'd be like, you know what? Yeah. I want to experience it. And there's something to like, it's not a movie. It's, yeah, it's and, like a and play. Now, yeah. And now like, it's the cult that's attractive about it. It's not the movie. Yo. Yeah. That's weird. I think, I think. You did something there. I, I did, I, did. Did I just do something? You Is did. that, did I just do that? <laughs> did I do that? I am Urkel. Confirm. So I kind of mentioned this at the beginning about like, can other medias be considered cult classics? Because I was planning on focusing on movies for this, but I do think it is like worth thinking about like, can TV shows be cult classics? Can music? Can can you you wrote two TV shows that I think are cult classics? They fulfill the. To be fair, Twin Peaks has a movie. Yeah, well... Firewalk with me. It found a resurgence. It did find a resurgence. It was unpopular. I think most, like, a lot of canceled TV shows that have since, you know, been rediscovered. There's Firefly and... Firefly's so good. Firefly's so good. I wish I wish Joss Whedon weren't such an awful person. I know. Um, But Firefly is very good. I love it very much. Um, But, like, I, so I think Firefly is kind of a, a cult classic. It... Ended up getting a fan base that was passionate enough for a movie to be worth making for, like, the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Twin Peaks was, like, critics liked it, but audiences were like, excuse me. And then the second season went super downhill because um, David Lynch wasn't really in charge anymore. So then it, like, got canceled. And then people years later were like, hey, hey, this is, this is something. And uh, David Lynch came back and wrote the movie. And then decades later, there's now Twin Peaks season three. Uh, Was, this has unlocked a whole other genre for me. Um, Virgin Suicides. Yeah. Do you think that would be considered a cult classic? It has a following. It does have a following. I also, it's very critically acclaimed, and I don't think gotcha. it, and I think it was commercially successful. Like, um, what about? It's never really gone through a period of like not being. What about appreciated? Like, like Mulholland Drive. Mulholland Drive. I think most of David Lynch's stuff, it could be considered cult classics. It, he definitely hits the transgressive part on the head. Absolutely. I wrote down, so I wrote down a couple of directors um, who started out kind of making stuff that ended up being cult classics, and I don't think it's, like, they became cult classics before the directors became super, like, mainstream popular. So Quentin Tarantino, he yes. made <laughs> Pulp Fiction, and um, also he he started the story for Natural Born Killers, which your mom was talking about, and then there's David Lynch, and the example I gave for him was Eraserhead. Mm-hmm. Um, which is absolutely just, like, bonkers. And then the Coen brothers made The Big Lebowski, which, like, there's... And a lot of this stuff has inspired, um, like, fan-made, 
like festivals and stuff like that. I think that's yeah. part of it. Where you Gather- know the the experience, the gathering, gathering like is now important. there's a religion called like well religion I say in air quotes, but there's like kind of a a th- a thing that people like practice called dudism which is based off of the dude from big lab big lebowski really yeah <laughs> um just like random stuff like that which and there's is people being like i i like this media and i want to interact with it more here's a community i can do that with yeah and it's it's so interesting it, it is really interesting um and wait what was i talking about we were talking about david lynch and mulholland drive oh yeah so david lynch I think he has now gotten into the main, but mainstream is a strong word. Just He's because pretty much every person who like is into film likes David Lynch, but I don't know if I could approach like somebody on the street and be no. like, "Eraserhead, thoughts go." No, desert. I think desert's a pretty good everyman. Yeah, because he, you know, he he. We watched Pixels, and Desert was like, "This isn't bad." Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> love him so much um but like i don't think if you asked him who david lynch was i don't think he would know i don't think he would know the big lebowski yeah like pulp fiction he'd be like oh is that the one with the hamburgers like yeah yeah pulp fiction by now i feel like is not really a cult classic i think it's just a classic i think it's just a classic yeah well it kind of set set apart it and like to some extent so is eraserhead and the big lebowski yeah anyway so uh i do think a, a fair amount of directors started out. Well, and also, okay, making right now cult classic type films. If I posted, if I tweeted, yeah, hot take, you know, Eraserhead's a good movie. Yeah, everyone I follow and everyone who follows me has decided to. Yeah, and so you kind of like within your community of people who like film, duh. Mm-hmm. David Lynch is popular. Yeah. But, like, the internet has fo- has caused us to form these insular communities of, like, everyone I follow on Tumblr is like me. Yeah. They like similar things to what I like. It's and- definitely an echo chamber. Yeah. More than ever. Which I think makes it so it's harder to identify things that aren't popular because they're popular in your group. Yeah. Like, I didn't know Les Mis, people didn't like it. Oh, really? my mom loves Les Mis. Yeah. And everyone I followed on Tumblr liked it. Yeah. And we would talk about it. Yeah. And so I was like, yeah, this is like a critically acclaimed movie. They did cool things. I, I like watching it. And then I got older and I would like read things and be like, wait. Wait, people didn't like this? People, why why wouldn't they? And then it's like, yeah, yeah, a lot of these criticisms are valid. But like in my little echo chamber, it's like, yeah, it's fine. That's even yeah, good. Yeah, I think that's I think an interesting good. thought. Yeah. I'm, and you and know, part of a cult classic is knowing you're going against the mainstream. Yeah. And like Princess Bride, you mentioned earlier when we were like talking about just making this episode. And I was like, oh, that's not a cult classic. Everybody's seen that movie and loves that movie. Apparently, apparently not. No, a lot of people hate it. A lot of people hate Princess Bride. Um, and it wasn't super successful when it first came out. No. I think by now it's definitely fi- like at least broken even, mm-hmm. if not made so much money. But it, like, they did a re-release of the cover. It has yeah, to have made like a lot of literally money. everybody I know loves Princess Bride. It is mm-hmm. at the top of the list whenever there's like a group movie gathering. That's a, that's a funny movie. That is a funny movie. I do like. I do think that movie is funny. Yeah, I think the best comedies are things that aren't trying to I, be I comedies. Like, yeah, and I <laughs> I like same with books. I don't like romance novels, but I like books with romance. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think if you're trying to be one thing in pretty much every situation, it's because life isn't any one thing. No matter, like, tragedies have to have comedy in them, I think, in order to be impactful. Are you the Joker? Yes. I thought my life was a tragedy. tragedy. But now I realize it's It's a a comedy. Kablam. Kablam. We really do live in a society. We really do. We should watch the Snyder Cut next. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Okay, there was this thread that happened on like my uh film like class group chat where one of them was like i'm really sad because um my roommate like made this comment about wanting to watch the snyder cut but like couldn't do it because it was r-rated and like i wanted to explain to him why r-rated movies aren't like inherently sinful and then i was just like of all the movies to not watch the snyder cut r-rating is what's stopping you yeah it's four hours (laughs) It is four hours long. Do so- take a walk. Yeah. Watch two good movies. Yeah. Ab- literally. Watch a TV show. Yeah, I couldn't be less interested in watching the Snyder. I don't think I've seen a single Justice League movie. Oh, I've, I've seen like both Wonder Womans. That's it. Everyone I know who's seen the Snyder Cut, it, they did it for, like, the meme. Yeah. It's so funny. I love it. So I- much of culture nowadays is doing it for the meme. Yeah. It's kind of concerning. Slightly. Yeah. It's <laughs> alarming. Others... I feel like the word meme, for a while there, it lost its meaning and mm-hmm. just became an image that was funny. Yeah. And I think it has resurged to be, like, a full, like, a memetic idea, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we've we've come full circle where everyone's like, oh, yes, the meme of wearing this type of shirt. I think and meme, like... memes are, like, things that exist that, like... Just the internet latches onto. Okay. That's it. That's that's the only definition. Maybe we need to maybe we need to have an episode that's like, hey Tegan, what is a meme? I think we've Do you have any celebrity gossip? Okay, so I would say that celebrity might be a strong term. Is it the boat? See, I was gonna say the shrimp thing. So there's this guy <laughs> on Twitter. Both. Let's do both. There's this guy on Twitter who he like apparently found shrimp tails that were coated in cinnamon sugar in his cinnamon toast can crunch I, box. Can I say something? Yeah. I saw that and went, liar. Yeah? Immediately. Yeah. I was like, I don't trust this man. See, and I then- kind of felt that way and then he, like, had more images with, like, a little string and, like, a pea and then, like, ma- black dots in his cinnamon toast crunch and I was like, oh, rat nest. See, for me, I was like, oh, cool, you put stuff in your cinnamon toast crunch. And then when he was like, oh, you guys, cinnamon toast crunch is gaslighting me. I was like... Yeah, because cinnamon toast crunch was like that. Because their response is their super response, weird. Their response was, it was someone on PR being like, I don't know, let's try to make this go away. Yeah, so basically he was like, hey, there's shrimp in my cereal. And cinnamon toast crunch, the company, was like, um, no, that's just clumps of cinnamon sugar. And he was like, um, no, because it's obviously not. No, we don't, shrimp tails. Yeah, we don't know where the shrimp tails came from, but... They, they, are, they are, in fact, shrimp tails. And then he was like, he got a stuff that was apparently also in the box. And he was like, oh, it's a rat's nest. And I was like, okay, maybe that's possible. But then he was like... That's also not what rat's nests look like. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, like, maybe a mouse, like, collected these things and then it fell mice, in. Mice are not whimsical little creatures that are just like, I'll leave this string here. They would have put a hole in the box... Or the mouse would be dead in the box. Like, no, those no, are the as options. in, like, the the mouse was, like, in the factory and then just 
the nest got... like fell into the like machinery and stuff is the theory I've seen. That still feels which does feel a little bit sketch. And I, but I was still yeah. like willing to suspend my disbelief and like, okay, wow, Cinnamon Toast Crunch, you done effed up. And then he was like, oh no, there was also a bag in this of Cinnamon Toast Crunch in the same box because it was like one of those ones that has two bags that was like taped on the bottom. And I was like, okay, straight up, that's not like you're just trying to get more clicks. Yeah. There's no way that's a yeah. fact. So this happened. And then a bunch of other people on Twitter were like, hey, um, this guy, he's been trying to go viral for a very long time, and he was an abusive at, like, What was the boyfriend. thing where it's like, Cinnamon Toast Crunch Shrimp Man has milkshake duck? Yeah, I don't really know okay. what milkshake duck there means. There was a tweet a while ago that says, oh, everyone, look at this duck. He's drinking a milkshake. And yeah. then an asterisk duck goes viral. And then it was like, we regret to inform you. That the milkshake duck is racist <laughs> and xenophobic and like, like, bu- 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 and it wow. has a history of sexual abuse, like, yeah, all these things. And it's totally where it's like, bean dad. Oh, bean dad milkshake duck. Okay, yeah. So definitely shrimp guy milkshake <laughs> duck because he's apparently just like been a it's, abusive it's participant yeah. of like the media industry for a very long time. And also, apparently he's married to Topanga from Boy Meets World. Yes, I've heard that and I don't know what that part means. You. What? I don't know what that part means. You haven't seen Boyfriend's World? You haven't seen Breakfast Club. <laughs> yeah, fair. <laughs> Touche. Okay, the other thing are the big celebrity moment right now is the boat blocking the Suez Canal. So is the boat the celebrity? The boat is the celebrity. What's the boat's name? Do Isn't we know? Isn't this just a news corner? I mean, internet news corner? What's the boat's name? I think the boat... the Suez canal yeah the boat is just news the shrimp thing is just like internet news the beached vessel the ever given oh okay yeah oh in other other news so the theme park evermore um in utah was trying to sue taylor swift for using the name evermore for her album which was like just not fair from the beginning it's a normal word i was gonna say evermore is just a word i'm pretty sure it's just a word (laughs) but apparently they had trademarked it for like uh, merchandise purposes and stuff like that, which I guess you can do. Um, but then, so that was just like a weird thing that but was going on. But it's not confounding, so I don't, they don't have, because that's the whole point of copyright is other people can use it as long as it doesn't confuse the consumer. Yeah, I don't, I, I agree. And I think that they were well aware that they had no case. Like the Evermore people were well aware. So both sides have, and so they after, were just doing it for attention. Yeah. Because Evermore is, like, struggling financially, but they filed it against Taylor Swift, and Taylor Swift filed a countersuit, and now they've both dropped their suits, so everyone's fine, and the founders of Evermore probably got to, like, have a conversation with Taylor Swift. Maybe that's what they wanted. That's, I would do it. Also, their, like, stylization is totally different, and Taylor only releases Evermore merch with all lowercase in a very specific font. I agree. (laughs) It's more an image than a word. Yeah, but I do think that is more celebrity news than either of the other two things we've mentioned. (laughs) Do you happen to have a bad sandwich? I don't have a bad sandwich. It's just, like, I haven't had a fun bad sandwich. It's just been like, there was old spaghetti, and I went, how bad could it be? And then I ate the spaghetti. When are you going to learn to not eat this, the because proverbial spaghetti? Sometimes. The spaghetti. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes. The problem is, I go, I could eat a leftover mm-hmm. and potentially get sick. Or... I could spend money and go out to eat, and my husband will potentially be like, Tegan, you went over the budget again. 
why can't why can't you do this with me? I thought we were working together. Oh my gosh. Or you could make a PB&J. But that involves forethought, which I do not have. Uh-huh. Because the Pascabi is in my work refrigerator where I am. Mm-hmm. And some days I go, I can't eat it. It's too, it's been there too long. And I throw it away and then I go, well, maybe I conquered something, right? Yeah. So instead for lunch, I eat probably like four cups of goldfish, mm. which also isn't great on the digestive system. Yeah. Notably, not as bad as old Pascabi. <laughs> yeah. The, <laughs> the old spaghetti did cause me to go to my boss and I was like, hey, I'm done for the day. I like I finished all my tasks, but my stomach hurts so bad that I would like to finish my computer work at home where a toilet can be in the same room as me. And she went, I hope you have a better day, Tegan. And I was like, me too. I went home and stayed true to my word. Bad sandwich. Old spaghetti is bad sandwiches like evil (laughs) alter ego. (laughs) Bad sandwich, old spaghetti. Tag, tag yourself. I'm bad And sandwich? two cups or four cups of goldfish. Mm, I'm the goldfish. I've probably fit that much in my mouth before. Tell the listener how many goldfish you fit in your mouth at once. It was two servings. How much is a serving? 200? I mean, 100? Mm, 50? It was a round number. I don't remember. Uh, 55 individual crackers. Okay, so I have fit 110 goldfish crackers in my mouth. And that picture is available for you all to see on the podcast for some undisclosed reason. <laughs> I didn't have a picture for that episode, and I thought it was funny. Sorry, that's why I tell me. Oh, that's okay. Okay, I think we're done, right? We do need to plug. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, thanks for listening. The energy has died. It's so I know, hot. we just got, like, so just, like, we're, lethargic. We are sitting. I think this is a sauna at this point. But the steam... The steam, the steam from our collective speaking has caused this closet to resemble a sauna in more than one way. <laughs> okay. Um, no, there's no, I was checking if there was <laughs> Yeah, it's not dewy. It's just hot. It's hot and it feels humid. Maybe. Um, thank you for listening. I'm sorry we're like this. Um, no, we're fine. We're fine. We're fine. It's fine. Thank you for listening. Uh, I'm Tegan. And I am Becca. And we implore you to rate, review, subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Although the iTunes reviews are really what helps. Really? Yes. I have learned this because I read a book. (laughs) Wow. You read a book? Just one book. Um, And then also follow us on Instagram at Be More Specific Mm -hmm. Pod, spelt correctly. Nowadays, yes. (laughs) Uh, I think. And if you have any, like... Questions, recommendations, whatever. Shoot us a message on Instagram. We're pretty active. Yeah, and we would love to hear a cult cult film that you think I haven't heard of. Yes. It won't be hard, but like... Tell me, tell us cult movies we should watch, and if we like it enough, we'll probably make an episode. Yeah, if you have any uh, cute single guys that could hit pick up, just let us know. Yes, can that be our cult action every time? (laughs) Refer me to, to a man between the ages of like 18 and 23. Who's cool. Who's cool. But not too cool. Yeah, I would be intimidated. Someone who preferably doesn't have a competing podcast. Well, but hey, if if they have a really popular podcast and then they come on our podcast and then That's plug true. our podcast. Never mind. Take that back. We're looking for podcasters. Yeah. Specifically, if you know a podcaster male who is available from the ages of 18 to 22, let Becca know. 
23 is negotiable. So. Oh my gosh, good. Okay, well, bye. You're, I love you. Yeah.